Blog Talk Radio. Pediatric Teach Language Pathologist, and welcome to Teach Me to Talk, the podcast. Woo, Hannah, you're already on, aren't you? I am. I'm so glad you're there. It's funny when the guest beats the host to the show, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to be on time. We changed our, just for listeners, we changed our time, and I thought, oh, I'm not going to do the show at our office. I'm going to drive home. Well, easier said than done, so I'm flying in here at the last minute, but that's okay. We're on. We're good. (laughs) So let me give a little bit of background Hannah was on the show last year And we talked about her little boy And I saw them, worked out to see them in person They were so uh, gracious and welcome to be into their home with open arms And so I saw you guys, it's almost been a year since then And then I got an email from Hannah, or maybe a text, I don't know About a month ago And so now we've decided to reconnect and look at what her little guy is doing now, and then talk about where to go from there. But, Hannah, why don't you just give us a rundown of Caden and, and talk about his history just briefly. And I will say, if this is if you didn't hear those shows last year, it's show number 322, and this is show number 356. So sometimes people keep up with shows by show number. So if you want to go back after this show and listen, it's show number 322. But, Hannah, why don't you just give us a brief synopsis of your sweetheart and what all's gone on with him and then we'll catch up to where we are now okay um for those of you that haven't listened to the previous um, podcast that we did together my name is hannah and i'm a speech pathologist as well but i work primarily in acute care mainly with adults so i definitely need lots of help in this area and i have a five-year-old son named Caden. And he has a very rare diagnosis. It is called macrocephaly capillary malformation, and it only affects about 150 individuals in the whole world. Um, And in a big synopsis of it, he was born premature, and we had no idea that he had this diagnosis. Um, He had a very large head size. The macrocephaly is large head. Um, And... um, We were in the NICU for about three weeks and found out about the diagnosis before we even left the hospital and were told that he would probably never walk or talk. Um, He is now walking. He started walking when he was about two years old. And um, we'll talk more about his speech in just a minute, but that's coming. So um, global developmental delays is kind of just everything about Caden. Yeah, and so it's so kind of interesting when you have a kid, first of all, who has such a rare diagnosis because you said 150 people in the world with this Mm -hmm. particular diagnosis. And so that's one thing. But the second thing is he has defied those initial prognostic statements about him because when you're told that your baby's never going to walk and talk, that is devastating. And But you guys dug in with him <laughs> and have really, really defied what all those original expectations were. And so for any parent listening, let that just be a big banner of hope for you. If you have a child who's gotten a, a pretty grim uh, prognosis as an infant or as a toddler, 
miracles happen all the time. And so Caden is a lovely little boy. And, again, that whole motor piece, walking at two, and then now, did you say he's already turned five, Hannah? Did I hear you correctly? Yes. Cut out a little bit. Okay, yeah. so here we are three years later, and so from since he was walking, and again, you've had him in speech consistently, and you have worked and worked and worked with him, but when we talked last year, the issue was I felt like he was missing some pre-linguistic skills, and I felt like when we on that show that if we focused on those areas because he was making limited progress in his speech at that point that we should take a step back sort of from that and focus on filling in all of these other skills that are Mm -hmm. really um, not as prominently looked at even by speech pathologists as talking because all our goal is always let's hear words let's get him to talk let's get him to talk but so many kids just aren't developmentally ready for that And so Hannah took, let's talk about talking, that whole little chart. (laughs) And it's so interesting, Mm -hmm. Hannah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that you had found all of my, found Teach Me to Talk and then found the resources, and you were using building verbal imitation and toddler. So you were looking at that expressive language development chart first. Yes. (laughs) But felt like, gosh, there's still something here (laughs) that we're just not quite, um, focused on there seems to be something something missing right there so that's that's what happened right well actually even more interesting my husband who is a manufacturing engineer found some of your I think he found your website and he had been watching some of your videos and things online and said have you ever heard of this speech (laughs) so for any parents (laughs) or therapists listening her stuff is great for people that are not in our field and that don't understand some of the terminology. Even my husband listens and watches and learns things. So that's how it kind of all stems. And the last time that we talked, Laura, we went over the 11 skills to master before words come. And you told me to focus on initiation because what we did was we went through the list and you were asking me questions and I would say, well, Caden can kind of do that but I wouldn't really say he's mastered it and so then we finally got to initiation and you said sounds like Caden's really just lacking on initiation and I'm like yes that's it so (laughs) you told us to work on initiation gestures and joint attention right so um, just in the one year since that first podcast that we did you we did a second we did a follow-up one where you were just giving me ideas of how to work on those three things and you really talked about getting him to point you asked can Caden point to objects to let you know that he wants something when you asked me how does Caden request something and at that time all Caden would do to let us know that he wasn't happy or that he wanted something was he would whine he had no form of communication other than just whining and then we got pretty good at just thinking, okay, well, he probably wants to watch Mickey Mouse or he must be hungry. It's about time to eat. So you told right. us to focus on pointing and just within a couple of days of us doing hand. Bit. Yeah, let's stop there real quick, Hannah, because I know that any speech pathologist listening that they might be thinking, why didn't they go to an AAC device? You were using an AAC device yes. too mm-hmm. with yes. your current with your therapist. So let's just say that because I don't want any therapist freaking out saying, why didn't she go mm-hmm. straight to AAC? 
you were already doing that. And so we wanted to do something yeah. kind of in addition to what you were already working on with your AAC device too. And so we were just kind of looking at gestures as a way, since the AAC device wasn't, he, that that wasn't it was going, but it wasn't going as well. And I think you've switched devices in that time too. But we were looking at gestures as a way to just sort of get a big bump because we felt like Caden was capable of that. We just y'all had just never worked on that really. So that that's kind of where that came from, right? And you correct me if I'm wrong yeah. with my memory with that. We had started with PEX very, very early, or a four, I would say PEX, but it was a form of PEX. We were using pictures to try to let him request things, but it just wasn't really clicking. Uh -huh. And then we went to just an app on the iPad, and it really, I mean, he was trying, and he was able to point to the pictures, but it just didn't seem like true intent. So we went to the pointing, and, I mean, it clicked within two days. We would, You suggested that we just put his toys out of reach, or to, mm -hmm. what was really successful with Caden was to put his food out of reach, <laughs> and we would put we would do hand over hand. We would I'd put my whole hand over his and make him point to it, and I mean it was just a couple of days that I did not have to do hand over hand anymore. And then we just started all of his favorite music toys. We would just put them up on the counter where he couldn't reach them and make him point to them. And he just he started pointing independently and initiating that just within a couple of days. <laughs> And let me just so talk it, about it that real quick. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big thing. And here's what happens. I've I've done that with several lots of kids where they're doing an AAC device but it still doesn't seem I mean mom will say, I don't even know if this feels like this is what he really even wants. It just kind of feels like he mm -hmm. did it and he did he seems kind of surprised when he gets it. It doesn't seem like or sometimes the the requests just weren't as, like you said, intentional as we want them to be. And so then we kind of take a step back from that and work on true pointing with things that we know are highly motivating for them. And then a lot of times even AAC device use gets better because kids then really learn that intentionality piece. And a lot of times kids who don't initiate a lot really lack that that uh, real purposeful and intentional any kind of requesting. So it's, I think it's always a good idea to kind of step back with any kid, especially if AAC isn't going very well, and look, see if we can get some true pointing going. And it, it worked like a charm for Caden, so I'm so glad <laughs> that yeah, that was so successful with that. But I just want to explain that to, to any parent or any therapist listening you're thinking, why did you do that? That working on pointing will even strengthen how a kid, how well a kid uses his AAC device. And you've got another real-life gesture going. We all point all day, every day, from the time we're one until we leave this earth, <laughs> unless um, you know there's some kind of other motoric thing going on. So anytime we have a kid who can activate an AAC device but isn't using a true definitive point, we always need to work on that in tandem with what they're doing with their AAC. All right, so keep going, Hannah. I hate that I keep interrupting you, but I think, oh, this is an important point. I want, I want other people to hear this. <laughs> you are fine. You, you stop me whenever you need to. Um, with the pointing for any parent that's thinking that this is something that their child should do, something that we would do to kind of initiate it was at the dinner table, if he was eating chips, I would set the bag of chips in the middle of the table and get him to point. I mean, he would whine, and I'd know that he's asking me for another bite. And so I would say, well, what do you want, Caden? And then he would he would point, but Caden's pointing is very generalized. It's not very specific. Right. So I would, and I'm pretty sure Laura suggested this, I would kind of sabotage him. I'd pick up Aang. And this also, last time we talked, Caden was not, 
doing yes, no, he would, um, he'll sign yes with his hand and he shakes his head for no, but it was not accurate. It was probably 50% uh-huh. accurate. Um, and yeah. now it's 100% accurate with any yes, no questions. Caden has mastered that. But anyways, I'd, I would hold up something that I knew is not what he was pointing to, and it would it worked on him also telling me no. So he would shake his head no until I would pick up the right thing that I knew he was truly trying to point to. So we still do that. <laughs> we still work on that. And I was going to ask you, you know, Laura, if you had well, it is communicative, and it does give him another way. Again, and I, and that other parents should be kind of encouraged too to hear that he can shake his head no, but he can't quite. He's not doing that for yes. He's using a little sign. So you go with what your kid can do. You don't really get all hung up on uh, one way or the other. And use this is really what speech pathologists kind of call a total communication approach. And so he's he's signing some things and then pointing for other things and gest you know gesturing. So and that's all fine. This is my point: is you just do what a kid can do. You know when he's signing yes, and you know when he's shaking his head no. So we want to be sure that we are encouraging any kind of communication like that. I was going to ask you for for a suggestion on this, Laura. Like now what he'll do, used to he would just come into the room and whine, and I knew he wanted something. Now he initiates walking up to me. He'll grab my hip or pull on my shirt. He wants me to look at him, and then he'll uh-huh. just point. He points in the air not to anything specific. So he's telling me I want something. And so what right. I do is I direct him to his AAC device that he now has. But yeah. with his AAC device, he's really only making two true selections. And I don't really, like, if I let him use his AAC device, he's going to tell me he wants to watch Mickey Mouse. But I don't really know that that's what he was walking up to me to tell me he wanted. Do you have any other right. suggestion or do you think just go to the AAC device? I would just go to the AAC device and listen. How many how many options do you have on there for him? Is it real complicated? Like, is, I mean, how many? Not really. How many options? We have okay. eat, drink, probably five or six. Okay, I think that's fine, especially since I've met him and his receptive language is coming along. So I don't think that's too many pictures. What okay. happens when you start going through things that? aren't Mickey Mouse. I mean, do you go ahead if, you know, so, so he he doesn't ever pick. What did you say he picks from his AAC device, Mickey Mouse, and what else? Um, riding the four-wheeler. And he'll ask for that in the middle oh. of winter when he knows he can't go ride <laughs> Okay, so he only uses the AAC device for things that are highly, 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 highly motivating. Like, he really doesn't... Okay feel like it's worth his time to use it for even something else like food, right? No. Mm-mm. Yeah. Okay, so are your sign, are your pictures on their specific, are they just general eat and drink, or have you all tried specific pictures of foods that you know he loves? They are general eat and drink. That's what I would do, because you've been doing this a while. And, again, this is just trial and error problem solving, and this may not work. But what I would probably do is does he have a favorite drink and a very favorite couple of foods that you could put mm-hmm. on there? I mean, things like if you withheld, let's say, his, what is his favorite drink, Cannon? What does he drink all the time? He, like, it's like Kool-Aid, but it's not, it doesn't have sugar in it, like a squirt drink. Okay. So if you gave him water 
for a couple of meals or like all like all day if he got water or something or milk or something that he likes to drink mm-hmm. but he's not crazy about. If you withheld that all day long and then had a picture of his Kool-Aid drink on his AAC device, I wonder if that would make a difference for him. Ooh, I like that. Okay. Yeah, I think it would. That's what I would do. But listen, you've got to set it up. you got to set it up where he's missed it. I mean, do you, does he, have you ever done any kind of sabotage with drinks or foods Mm-mm. where you give no. him something you know he doesn't like? No. That's probably what I would start with. And listen, this is straight from PEX, the Picture Exchange Communication System, because how you really teach a kid to make a definitive choice is you give them a non-preferred item. And so okay. that's what I would probably do is just, <clears throat> or maybe even, I, I don't know, you're going to have to talk to your regular therapist about this too and you all kind of problem solve. But think about what you can do to give him thing, pictures of things or choices that you know that he doesn't like or doesn't want so that he gets super purposeful about picking what he does want. So that's kind of one thing to try. The other thing to try is what I mentioned, too, is you withhold what you know he really, really wants, but you don't dehydrate him. I mean, you've got to give him something else to drink through the yes, day. He definitely notices, then, he notices yeah. when it's plain water versus a sink lemonade, so he will definitely miss it if I just gave him plain water. That's what I would do. And it may not even take a whole day. It may just take 10 minutes of him, you know, really (laughs) just keep giving him water until he picks the the choice. But you need to make his picture. If you're going to do it on his device, which is what I would do, because you were trying to get him to use that device more, put Mm -hmm. it on his device, a new picture there, and see if that makes the choice with just a general picture of drink. That's what I would try to. And then if that doesn't work on his device, Then either just do it with pointing where, you know, he's pointed to the lemonade. I mean, somehow link it where he understands, oh, I've got to make a real specific choice here or else I'm just getting water. And so that's what I would do is look at other things that are highly, highly motivating because it really may not, it may not really have clicked that, oh, I can push this drink and I can get some this drink picture and I can get something I really, really want versus something that's, eh, take it or leave it. And right. so that's another thing I would do with food. So does he have a couple of snack foods that he just is crazy about that you could do the same yes. thing with? Yes. That's what I would do. I would go to really, really specific pictures, but withhold it long enough <laughs> that he will miss it and that it will – it will make a difference as far as motivation is. And remember, when kids don't initiate, <coughs> excuse me, one of the things is it's just not important enough for them yet. And so we have to do everything we can to match their desires, their highly motivating things, with opportunities to communicate for that. And for some kids, we have to really withhold that for you know part of the day so that they miss it. And for some kids, gosh, Moms have said, you know, that didn't work the first day. He didn't care. But that second or third day, boy, they're missing it. And so that just makes yeah. it more motivating. It makes them want to do it more. So that that's how I would handle that. That's what I would try. Well, and in first. you saying that, he also, one of the <laughs> options on his AAC device is to play. And so I think I could do the exact same thing. Caden still loves a couple music light-up toys, and I'm bad about just leaving one of them out. So he wakes up from his nap. He goes straight to get it. I should hide that yeah. 
keep it away from him and I would, make him I would and put that on his device, that picture, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I would do for that is just get super, super specific. And that does okay. tend to make a difference in how often they're going to use their device because, again, you've set, up, you've set it up beautifully where it's something you know that he wants and you're giving him a way to really, really communicate it. And I, my guess it's going to be just like the pointing was, that it's right. just going to – it's us. It's how we set it up and how we teach it. And if we can tweak it a little bit, you'll get a lot more initiations with something that's not Mickey Mouse or Ride the Four-Wheeler. Right. And those are both very specific and very, yeah, that's exactly, okay, that's what we need to do there. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's exactly how I saw that. I hope all these questions are this easy. <laughs> I know. And I'm just kidding about being easy, but those are good ideas, I think, to start with. And it makes sense to me that he would respond. Now, he I may not, and work. we may I, talk, yeah, yeah, no, but I, I feel like will. that's going to work. Yeah. I think the other too. thing that you told us to work on when we went through the checklist was imitating gestures, which has just uh-huh. shot through the roof. I mean, we've been, Kaden has always loved songs, all the typical uh-huh. toddler songs that you would sing. And now I can sing a song and the, the actions that I've been doing with him for years, he's finally starting to do them on his own. Um, or like reading a book, we'll read, yeah, we'll read the five little monkeys and we always bonk ourselves on the head now he's doing it um it's just it's shot through the roof we just kept focusing it hey. focusing on it through books and songs and now he's doing it on his own yeah and let's talk about that for a minute okay you know that he's capable of doing that kind of thing and the reason again if anybody's listening <laughs> that you work on that is you work on gestures and little hand motions and songs because those things are fun and they're developmentally appropriate. All kids like to do those things, and especially since he likes music, it's a way to really take something that he loves and kind of bump it up a little bit, make it a little bit more intentional, a little bit more communicative. But he's also, you can, this really tells me that his motor planning and his motor control is getting a lot better because he wasn't able to do these little gestures before, and now he is. And the benefit of that is I think you're going to see even more variety with his gestures and maybe even do some things that look more like signs. And, again, the Mm -hmm. reason that you do that is, your planning drives speech. So any time that we can get his whole body <laughs> moving and moving purposely and intentionally, that really does prime the pump for more words to come because speech really is a fine motor activity. And so when we increase a kid's ability to do it, you know, I, when I'm talking to a parent or talking to a therapist about this, I say out here and kind of hold my hands out. When we increase a kid's ability to do it with his hands, it really does translate after prog- you know, they make progress. We really can see a bump in how they're able to speak and use that in- improved motor planning ability and motor control, and it does translate sometimes, most of the time, into better um, accuracy and, and at least more attempts with verbalizing and with talking. And so you haven't mentioned yet, Hannah, your great big news about Caden in that drum roll, please. <laughs> he is using <laughs> some words now. Yes. <laughs> Just within the last two weeks. <laughs> um, before I go to that and talking about the gestures, I want okay, to let parents and therapists 
You're fine. Uh, before I forgot about it, I wanted to let parents and therapists know that when Laura came here and worked with Caden, I mean, a lot of it was play-based, but I just kind of hid behind the couch and watched. And I've always thought that I was pretty good about playing with children, but when I watched Laura, I realized how you can incorporate getting them to imitate gestures just when you're playing with them. So I don't even remember now what you were doing. You were, oh, you were having him like call out and you would put your hands up to your mouth. And so you were working on him making sounds, but you're also trying to get him to put his hands up to his mouth. And Caden's right. um, therapist here also does stuff like that in therapy too. And it's made the world of difference. So she'll sing old McDonald's with Caden and then she'll, um, on E-I-E-I-O, she claps her hands to her thighs, and Caden has started doing that along with her. So I've been trying to do more of that sort of thing just when I'm playing and in the floor with Caden, too, and it makes a big difference. Um, it does. So, so yeah, that's a little too. action that he can imitate in play. So let's say if you're playing with any kind of toy that has a door, you knock on the door and have them knock on the door with that. If you are just any little thing, if there's a car, you know, of course we're going to do our little like we're driving, but we should also act like we're driving with a little steering wheel. So any little pantomime gesture that you can do with that, implement it. So just think about, and this is not only for you, Hannah, but for any parent listening, just think, what would be my, you know, it doesn't have to be the official sign language sign for this, but what little gesture can I do? And it especially works when it's something that they love and when they're already paying attention to you. Now, you don't want to do 15 new gestures per play routine, but just pick one or two little things to do, especially with their favorite little play routines, and just do it and do it and do it. And, of course, you'll do some hand-over-hand assistance to kind of get that action going but that makes a big difference, too. And I love that your SLP is doing that with uh, Old McDonald and is already doing a lot of that kind of thing. And it, I, it makes a big, big difference. Yes. So, and I want to say yes, one more Kaden thing. Kaden is, is now say saying one more thing. Sorry, go ahead. There he is. Let me say one more thing. Let's talk about why you weren't sitting right there with me because I bet that's really distressing some therapists who are listening to that because <laughs> the way I preach – Parents need to be with you right there because they have to see what you're doing and you have to be able to model it and you have to be able to do it and you have to, they have to know what you're doing. But there, sometimes there's some exceptions and sweet little Caden is an exception <laughs> because he, yeah. sometimes kids are so then hyper-focused on mom that they can't, that they, it, it's just hard for them. And he liked me fine, but boy, he was, he was so much it it was a good idea for you to kind of take a step back because before then he wasn't he wasn't as engaged with me as he was as when you weren't first and foremost right there. Yes. And I watched. Yeah. I, I literally was on the floor on my hands and knees peeking around the couch. Caden <laughs> could not see me, but I could still see what Laura was doing with Caden. And I do that with a lot of his Yeah, and that's the therapy. exception rather than the rule. And I don't the want their <laughs> Yeah, and I don't want therapists to freak out about that because my preference would have been for you sitting there right there by me. And we didn't do the whole visit like that. Just you felt like knowing him like you did and knowing his little personality and kind of his what his normal routine had been. Because do you go to – are you in speech with him all the time, Hannah, or he, he does speech without you because he's in school, right? He does speech at school without me, and then we also go to an outpatient center, and we watch through like a two-way mirror or two-way glass, yeah, where he so, can't see me, but we can yeah. see him. 
Right. And that was kind of his routine. And so you felt like that just knowing him and his little personality, that was going to be better. But even after, I mean, we did that for a little while, and then we did a lot when you came back. I mean, at the end mm-hmm. there, we were sitting on the couch, and even Dad was home. Your husband came home then. And so we were all three in there kind of doing stuff with him. And so we sort yeah. of did a hybrid with that. It wasn't all Hannah hiding. <laughs> it was just <laughs> him going with me and it worked great it worked great but we don't, we don't yeah. do that with every kid but I wanted to clarify because I didn't want you know to get any emails to say I cannot believe that you didn't you know follow your own advice blah 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 but anyway it worked for us that day it was great so it was yeah a little side note right there okay so go on move on so talk talk about his let's let's keep on talking so the gestures are a great idea I want you to keep on doing that just keep on adding when, again, you're going to look for what he loves and then something easy enough for him to be able to do it that, that um, you know, you don't want it to be so complex, his, that little motor action that you pick for whatever hand motion you're doing. And then you want to be so repetitive with it, do it over and over and over. And you always want to keep adding new ones. Once he's mastered something, you know, you think, what else can I add? How can I expand this? So you, you want to eventually, you know, just keep adding to his repertoire. Even if he's going to use his AAC device better and even if he's going to say more words, you don't want to quit with the gestures because the gestures drive motor planning. And I know that you know right. that as an SLP, but I'm going to say it over and over and over to remind therapists who don't think about it like that, and certainly to remind parents, those little hand motions work to drive speech. And that's if you don't even know anything about neurology, that's all you have to know. You don't even have to understand it. You just have to believe me <laughs> that that is the truth. Yes. And so that's why we keep doing gestures, even even after kids have another way to communicate. So. That's my little spiel about that. All right, Hannah, keep going. I've, I've stopped you well, now 150 times. <laughs> with that little spiel, it leads directly into how, so a year ago, Caden was not initiating anything. He had no true sounds. He could not imitate very many gestures. He couldn't um, express himself with yes and no consistently. And so we have implemented these 11 skills, his speech pathologist and outpatient has done a lot of the same things. We've been um, pushing forward with receptive language and following directions, and he has started gesturing more. He has started, his joint attention is better. His play is better. He is initiating now. And just two weeks ago, Caden said mama for the first time and now is saying, (laughs) well, actually, he first said, he first said ma for more consistently and with uh-huh. intention and he did that with his speech pathologist and outpatient and we were just I mean she she contained herself but she kept it under control during the session and then she messaged me and said that she went back inside after we left and she cried because it's she making me tear up right his, now because it is a big deal when you haven't had a word you know when you're Pushing five, or I don't know if that was, I'm not sure, I forgot when Caden's birthday was, but he's five, and he's, that's, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's his first word, and you did not give up on speech, and she did not give up on speech, even though she's doing her AAC, and working on receptive language, and working on signs, and working on gestures, and all these other things, you still got that word, and you held out for it, and got it, and that is Fantastic, and everybody listening, I hope you'll pause and celebrate with Hannah because that is a big and, and their speech pathologist because that is a big deal. You waited on that for a long, long, long time and did not give up, and so congratulations yes. for that. 
Well, thank you. But his um, his speech pathologist had gotten him to say ma for more, and then that had been going on for probably two weeks, and she was telling us reinforce, reinforce, reinforce that at home, and he was doing it consistently. Um, and then one night I was putting him to bed, and he has babbled mama a lot, I mean, for years, but it's never mm-hmm. been with intention. I've never truly thought that right. was saying and so I left the room, and I heard Mama, and any time that I hear that, I say, oh, Kaden, you said Mama, knowing that he didn't really say it, and I went back in, and yeah. he signed music, so I sang him another song, I kissed him on the forehead, I left, and he said Mama again, and so oh that God. happened probably, it, it had to happen about five times before I hollered for Eric, my husband, and I said, do you keep yeah. really saying Mama? <laughs> It, he said it about 15 times, and by then I said, I think he really is saying <laughs> yeah, now I can, I can say, Caden, who am I? And he'll say Mama, and now he is, uh, you don't even know this, I don't think, Laura. No, He's now saying at so E. He has started saying at E for Daddy consistently, um, and um, I think he is starting to say M E for Mickey. Oh, how about that? So four consistent words now. So that is fantastic. Yes, it is. I'm writing this down because I'm going to make suggestions based on those kinds of things. Okay, good deal. So let's just look at it kind of from a sound perspective. So he's got an initial M in three other words, in three separate words, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. So for more for Mama and for Mickey. So you know that mm-hmm. he can do a good initial bilabial. So the speech pathologist in you, I know, knows, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I've got something to work with here. It's not just a fluke anymore. There's, I've got three good purposeful words where he does an intentional initial bilabial. So what I would do with kind of, you know, and you're going to always have to balance speech, your speech uh, factors with your language factors is look for other things that start with bilabial, so B's, P's, and M's, and see if you can. Now, here's the, here's the kicker. Sometimes when we do this, then we end up with 15 words that all sound alike, <laughs> and you're going to have to have a yeah. bunch of context. But right now, ma and mama are different because he's got syllableness, right? He uses one syllable mm-hmm. for more. And does he change the vowel? Yeah. Between more and mama, or is the vowel still kind of neutral? The vowel is kind of neutral, but I can tell a difference. It's it's like he's okay. trying to put something at the end of more, but it it is kind of ma. But it's uh, it is a okay. little different. I don't know. <laughs> but you can tell. I mean, the syllables are different at least. I mean, he's doing he's pretty consistent. Does he mess up? Does he ever say just one ma for mama, or does he ever say two? Yes. To my, for more, so he does mess that up sometimes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And his um, speech pathologist right. totally has... expected for a new talker. Okay. Totally expected. You just want to really reinforce more. And what I try to do for that is a lot of times with kids, I'll to get them going, I'll say more, 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 kind of model it like that because kids get excited, you know, with that kind of exclamatory way that we do that, but I would stop that if you're doing that and really make more just like one definitive syllable versus when you're saying mm-hmm. mama and, you know, it's really exaggerate that difference in those syllables. So that's what I would do for that. Okay. And for Mickey, I would probably really, how's he saying Mickey? Mm-E. Okay, good. And so he's got a pretty good E because he's got that for daddy too, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yes. So he was doing IE. So are you, so he, but he does. So let's think about how do Daddy and Mickey sound different when he's saying that. If he'll if he'll truly do the M sound first, then yes. But sometimes if okay. like he'll request watch Mickey Mouse on the AAC device, and so I'll try to get him to say Mickey, and just reflexively he'll say IE, and I'm like no. And if I'll tell him yeah. together, then he'll say mm, and then he'll say the E. But he'll he will yeah. get them confused. Well, that's okay. I would just reinforce the heck out of that. I mean, I would just reinforce it, reinforce it, and cue it like you're doing and say, oh, you forgot to get your lips together and that. And I probably wouldn't. Does he react negatively when you say no, Hannah? Does he get his feelings hurt or anything, or does it make him clam up and not try? He's he's worked hard the day that I was there. He just kept doing anything I asked him to do that he could do from what I remember. I don't think so, but do you think I should not say no? I wouldn't say no because a lot of times okay. it really, with some kids, it really does shut down their participation. And so just cue okay. it without the no. And it's kind of a hard habit to do. And so you work with adults. So with adults, you would automatically give them feedback and say, no, that's not it. Try this. But with kids, we don't really want to do it that way. We want to leave out the kind of the disciplinary word or the redirection word because it, sometimes it will shut them down. And so I, I would just say, oh, lips together, Kaden, and just, you know, keep it real kind of bubbly and just a cue that way rather than like it's a true kind of redirect. And I always okay. tell therapists and parents to save the kind of no and that kind of um, or uh-uh-uh, that's not it. Save that for disciplinary stuff. With speech, you just want to model what you do want them to do and not necessarily, especially if we're, when kids are where Kaden is developmentally, you, know, you just don't ever want to give them any reason not to try or not to want to do it again. You want them to feel great about any kind of verbalization that they make. And so I probably wouldn't okay. say no with that. And, and if he's not reacting okay. to it, fantastic, you know. But I probably would go ahead and make that switch if you can. That's going to be hard. You're going to screw it up. But that's okay, too. If you, but if you can think about not saying no with that, I, I think that no, that's, that's a good just always. And I hadn't even thought about that. And okay. something that his his SLP does is whenever he gets more and mama confused is she's doing like a tactile cue for more that just uh-huh. she puts she's putting fingers under she's putting one finger under his chin and one finger like right under his bottom lip and just kind of uh-huh. pushes with the one that's under his chin yeah. to give him a cue like yeah. you only do it once like leave it up there and that seems like it's it's working well well, keep doing that then. Do whatever cue that she's found is successful. You know, don't change that. Just keep keep doing it that way. That sounds fantastic. And that's great that he's accepting those tactile cues on his little face. He's not hypersensitive about that then. Mm-mm, no. Would Good deal. You work, would you reinforce all four of these words? I mean, since they all have emerged kind of the same at the same time, would you start reinforcing all of them daily? Like, he hasn't done the Mickey as much as he's done more in Mama and Daddy, and I don't – do you think go ahead and tackle it all at the same time, or do you think really enforce the more in the Mama and the Daddy before we confuse him? You know, I, he's – cognitively and receptive language-wise, you're starting to work on two-step commands, so I don't – I think you can safely work on these four words because he's tried them. And he's and okay. you recognize him as intentional and purposeful. So I don't think that's too much from him, for him. No, I'd work on them all. You okay. know, it's not like you're working on five different things either. It's 
it's four, but it's coming on in. And these are things that he's, you know he can do it because you didn't really set out to say, I'm going to get him to teach, I'm going to teach him to say Mickey today, and that's my only goal. He did it, and you recognized it as Mickey. So now <laughs> you know, I, would, I would just keep on with that because he's he's driving the boat here. And yeah. so just keep reinforcing that. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd totally work on all four of those. Absolutely. And so would you, I have never heard Caden, not since he was an infant, make the bilabial P or P or B sound. Would you target that or would you just stick? I mean, he technically should be able to, but he never makes that sound. I, it's all M's, A, and E's. I would, you know what, I would just keep working on words that start with the bilabial. And who cares if it's a good P or a good B at this point? He's a brand-new talker. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to make – he's going to misarticulate. And because he's got so much motor involvement, you know, we know he's going to make some mistakes. And so I think about word classes rather than specific sounds. So I would just think, let me get as close as I can, and let's just go for words that that he words that are meaningful for him, but you know he can do an initial bilabial, so that's that's what I would do. Okay, and that makes sense to me. Now, if you start to feel like he's just scrolling through these words, these aren't intentional. We're working on too many. You can always pull it back. You can always, yeah. you know, have a talk with his speech pathologist and say, and see, he's got two. He's got his outpatient person and his school person. And you all can make a decision collectively with, ooh, this is too much. Let's take a step back here. Let's back up a little bit. And you can do it at that point. And, again, you're not going to work on 65 words. You're just going to add these little, you know, you've got these four core words right now, but then add, you know, add as you, add as you can. or add, And, again, let him, like I've already said, drive the boat. If he tries to say ball, you know, you're not going to overcorrect. If he's saying ma for ball, you're just going to reinforce it mm-hmm. like you tried to say ball, just like you would if a 12-month-old or an 18-month-old did that. We wouldn't say, oh, no, we're not going to work on that word. It's too much like these other words. It's too confusing. We would celebrate and say, hey, try to say ball. So okay. I, that's that's my philosophy on that. Okay. That's what I would do. Now, if you've got another opinion, you know, <laughs> I I would think this would be the way to go, but, you know, really kind of looking at it developmentally, um, I I would try because I think you're going to get more word attempts, and the more attempts that he has, you know, again, that's practice makes perfect. It's going to really, really drive his little motor system, so I would would try. That's probably what I would do. What other uh, phonemes has he used? I mean, what other sounds, just the M, the I, and the E? Well, he's done this for a long time. I can he loves when I count. He thinks it's funny and if I'll say one and then say t and wait for him to say the uh-huh. ooh, he attempts to make that ooh sound and then when I say thruh then he always says e. Um so he can say the e for three yeah. and he understands that that's what I'm wanting him to do. So kind of a ooh that's sound perfect. and then definitely the e sound. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so see that's another vowel there and with the ooh for two. So that might be another thing that you do is look at look at his favorite things and see if there's a word that has an ooh. I would probably try to get that with boo, Hannah, because he likes hide and seek. You talked about that mm-hmm. in your email, and I saw him play that when I was there. So I would probably try to get boo with hide and seek, okay. and that's a bilabial too, you know, that right. initial bilabial. So I would probably try to get that if he's doing ooh for two. So look at what sounds he's making and then pair that with 
how how can I use this? How can I get this vocalization? And at this point, I really wouldn't worry about everything sounding a lot alike because he, he I mean, he hasn't used his little his little uh, vocal system before, so he's got to have some leeway and some. You know, he's going to make some errors. We all, you know, we all, every kid does that learning how to talk. And anytime any of us learn anything new, we make errors. That's just part of the learning curve. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I would do that. I would look at what consonants, what vowels, and then pair it with what are his favorite activities, what does he already like to do, like we just did with thinking about, oh, he loves hide and seek. Let's see if we can get boo there because he already has the ooh for two. And so see if you could just kind of think, like that, you know who Eric's probably gonna be good with this. Your husband, who's an engineer, because engineers think like this too. In addition to speaking yes, all this, <laughs> with pairing, you know what what little sounds does he already make, and how can we turn that into a little verbal routine that he's already doing with play? But let me figure out how I can add a sound. And we just talked about that with a gesture too, with little things that you're already doing. You're gonna pair a gesture with that. Think about that for sounds. What kind of little sound can he make with? Um, you know, put it as just add that, expand an existing routine with that. So that's what I would look at too. Okay. So any other Very exciting. little? Uh, I know it is exciting. He's going to make good progress <laughs> just with this I little just, handful I mean, of I ideas. Had, honestly, just in just these past couple of months, I was even telling myself that I needed to just accept that Caden was never going to talk. That he hadn't made really any progress with the actual speech production part. He's just making happy squeals like he always does. And then just one night it just clicked and he said, Mom. <laughs> so it's just crazy how but, it you know, can come out of nowhere like that, that when you're working on other you things. Know, you've been, all this other stuff, you've gotten him ready. You've gotten him ready. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, his his gestures have improved so much and his little intentional any kind of little hand motion has improved so much, it would stand to reason that if he could do it, he would do it. So now that he's ready, you're going to hear more of that because, he, again, he's developmentally ready, and he wasn't before, and he wouldn't have gotten there had you not been doing all these other things. I mean, that's why looking at those pre-linguistic skills really, 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 really works because you're shoring does. up all these little yeah, yeah, you're looking at all these little missing pieces that we didn't even know they were missing because we didn't know to look for them. But when you start pulling right. all these little sub-skills out and work on those as just its own little goal, it really does all improve and gain momentum, and then you move on to that next developmental rung. But you never would have gotten there had you not gotten far enough back developmentally to really figure out what core skill is he missing right now that we can work on. And so see, you've done that with initiation and with gestures and with joint attention, and now that's all coming together, and you're getting some words, (laughs) which nobody, you know, your doctor didn't even think that was medically possible. Mm -hmm. So that's fantastic. That is fantastic, and I'm so glad. And I'm glad that you shared, too, that even as a speech pathologist and as a mom, you're thinking, well, it just may not happen for him. It just may not happen. And then, ah, you know, you get a miracle there, and it all comes together. If we have time, I wanted to ask you about play. Do we have time? Yeah, go ahead. We have 13 minutes. Let's do it. Okay. Um, well, that wasn't even, I mean, of course you wanted us to work on play, get down on the floor and do things with him, but looking through the checklist or the 11 skills, I feel like that's probably the one that's lacking the most now. 
Um, and right. of course, like imitating sounds and words. But his play is still, if I am not, if there's not an adult really encouraging him and really leading the play, he shows no interest in anything other than a light-up music toy, his favorites, and Mickey Mouse Clubhouse on the television. So, I mean, we we play games, we do Pop the Pig, we do all kinds of little things, and he'll tolerate it, but he shows no real interest in anything. I mean, he does like hide-and-seek, but again, it's in his own modified way, and, then, and it's us kind of leading it. So right. I'm wondering, one question I have for you is, how long should we get him, how long should we have him play something that I'm leading it all and he's not really enjoying it, but he's tolerating it? Should I do it as long as he'll tolerate it or should I move on to something else just after five minutes of him not really loving it? You know, I would just think about it in short bursts. And so five to ten minutes of something and then move on. Because his attention's going to wane and you don't want him, you know, nobody loves doing something that they hate, but if he can tolerate it, for five or ten minutes because, I mean, have you found anything, Hannah, that he didn't like but then once you did it a few times, he did sort of start to warm up to it? I mean, can you come up with anything or does he have the kind of personality that he loves it immediately or he's never going to really like it? No, if we do it enough and long enough, he'll get to where he'll always sort of tolerate something. Like, if I'm doing it with him and I know that he loves for me to count, I can usually incorporate counting to make him somewhat enjoy it. Right. Uh-huh. But like hide and seek yeah. did not like that at first, and now he loves it. But I think a lot of it is his cognition, too. I don't know how much of some of these things he truly understands, and his fine motor is affected. So a lot of games yeah. that are typical for a toddler, Caden can't do because of his fine motor. So I understand why he doesn't like games and toys. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. Okay, so here's – I love that you identified why he's not doing it. it. Fine motor things are going to be hard for him for a long time because that's part of his diagnosis. What does he do in OT? What kinds of toys does she do, or is it all just real kind of – what do they – let me just stop. What do they do in OT? He's still getting school OT, OT, right? Mm-hmm. His school occupational therapist works on more school things like cutting and holding the pen and writing and things like that. His can he do that? Yeah. Let me ask you. I mean, how how successful is that? Aiden is writing his name with just barely you holding his uh, elbow. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, he started doing that. Okay. <laughs> okay. So there you go. He's got good enough fine motor control, right? So play. Mm-hmm. There's some disconnect there because he can. Have it, if he can have enough control to do that, these other toys, he should be he should be further along with play than he is. I think a lot of it From is motor. that his arms are so weak, and so many toys require like pushing, and that is still. I mean, just yeah. that toy that has like three balls that you put at the top, and you use a hammer to knock them through. He's not strong uh-huh. enough to knock the ball through. Um, okay, that, but like, can you do it with that toy? But uh-huh. Can he push it with Anyone? his hand and knock it through? Can he yes, modify it? Yes, and that's it? what he'll do. Mm-hmm. That's what he would rather do. Okay. Okay, well, so here's what I would do. I would really pick your OT's brain about, tell me, you know, let's look at what he can do 
and even if it's not in play, like, you know, right, so if he's writing, did you say that y'all provide support at his elbow? Yes. Okay. So talk to her about that and say, okay, so with writing, that's a fine motor thing. We're really focused on play because we know play drives cognitive development. Cognitive development drives language development. And so, you know, I really think this is something we should try. And so just ask her what, based on the motor movements that he can do independently and then based on the motor movements that he can do with some assistance, what kinds of toys should we be playing with at home? And I would look at that almost like an exercise program with we're going to try this so many reps or we're going to do this for so long because, again, you know he's got to do it You know, sometimes a lot before he'll start to like it, especially when it's hard. Mm-hmm. So I would I would look at it that way with, okay. you know, taking what your OT says he can already do movement-wise and then kind of looking at your toys, your existing toys. And if there's some light-up component or some music component, <laughs> you don't want to get him 35 different light-up music toys, but you do want to look for some variety. So, you know, with this one, is it only about pushing buttons? Is there some kind of... A toy that he could pull a lever with? Is there something that he could pull instead of push? And just see how many different little motor actions you you can get with that. Does that make sense? Because mm-hmm. you're not just looking at the cognitive component. You're also looking at the motor component, and that is a very real concern for him and any other kid that has, you know, a motor delay or a motor, you know, is just going to have a motor challenge. And so you have to look at, what kind of movement can he do, and then how can I modify it? And then let me, okay, let me just look for toys that he's going to have more success with. And you've got a lot of resources, and I didn't see your whole house, but, boy, I bet you have a lot of toys that he doesn't even touch. You've got other children, too. You know, right. your other boys can rummage through some other things and think, okay, let me see how many different motor actions we can target just with this, you know, new little five toys here. You know, let me just look for, we have to stack with this toy. And with this toy, we have to take things off. And this, with this toy, you know, we're pulling versus pushing. Just look for those simple motor actions. And, again, get a lot of input from his OT with what do you think some, are some good ideas. Now, the other thing is you've got to pair the motivation factor with it, too. So, again, you're going to have to look at what he already likes and, and again, Put on your thinking cap here with it's got to be motivating and it's got to be worth it for him or he doesn't even want to try and he's not going to try on his own. You're going to have to really try that. And and I think you're using good judgment with that. We're going to do it five minutes, ten minutes, but after that put it up and move on to something else. And you might do it where you're doing something you know that he loves and he's good at and then you do something he's not so great at and then you go back to something he loves and he's good at and then you go back to something he's not so good at and think about it just, just, kind of in those terms, like you would during a therapy session. And it's a lot harder when it's mom at home with your own yes. kid. At the same time, that's how I would think about it, just sort okay. of putting it all together with what toys are going to be motivating and pair that with what motor action he can do and pair that with, okay, I've got to get him, I've got to get some things that he loves, and we have to put those interspersed with things that aren't so fun so that I can keep him engaged. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, that's what I would try with that. But start with your OT with asking what kinds of toys will he do for you in therapy. And you know from a therapist's 
if, if the therapist, from a mom perspective too, if a therapist can't answer that question on the spot, then you say, you know, can you make me a list and I'll get it from yeah. you next session. <laughs> that they don't just forget about it. And sometimes, you know, we do, we are kind of on the spot and then don't know what to say. And then afterwards we think, oh, I should have said this to this mom. This is what we're doing. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's just, I would keep on going. There's so many things that he can do. Like uh, I used more of an ABA type of approach to get him, like, I mean, this was years ago, get him um, following simple commands. It's like roll a car. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, like roll a car across the table or uh, brush a doll's hair. And so I can give him a doll and I can play pretend with a doll, like, oh, brush your hair, give her a drink, and he'll do those things. But he just does not enjoy it. He he just does what I tell him to, and then he puts the doll behind him like we're done. <laughs> so Well, and I get that. Truly but, you know, enjoy the- what we're doing. Yeah. And that's why you've got to really, really look at the motivation piece and the skill piece. But sometimes kids don't even like things until we get the skill piece kind of in there. I mean, he won't enjoy it until he can do it. Do you know what I mean? And so you just have to balance between am I teaching the skill here or, you know, from a physical perspective or am I really looking at kind of that cognitive mental piece and the enjoyment piece. And so you're just going to have to balance it and just keep just keep going with that. Really, though, the better he gets at something, the more he's going to like it. Or at least you'll be able to expand it then and find something that he does like, but he couldn't get there without doing those really basic motor things first. Right. That's what I think with play, but that sort of thing. But really quiz your therapist about what, you know, we always look at skills and what they're doing language-wise. What words is he using? What gestures is he using? What, but see what they're using motivation-wise. See what toys and activities that he seems to like because you might get a few little ideas that you haven't even thought about. They may be, or they may be doing something that they haven't even really realized that they're doing that they haven't told you about. Right. Okay. You may get some, you may get some new likes there and some new motivators. All right, so let's kind of sum things up in this last two minutes. So fantastic. I just love the progress that he's making. And listen, I want to say this one little thing for parents who are listening. And if you're thinking, you know, he's just finally talking now and shes they're both real excited about four words that, you know, I, I want my kid to be saying 400 here. And we all want that. But we have to celebrate what they can do. And again, because Caden's diagnosis has been so significant, other kids, may have milder kinds of issues going on. And so it is realistic for you to really look for faster progress or uh, those kinds of things. But for Caden and for every kid, we have got to celebrate what they're doing. And so even if it feels like, man, that's slow progress, it's still progress. And so we have to really, really celebrate that. And I'm so glad, Hannah, how excited you are about this and how you're really, really looking at this. Like, the doctor said he wouldn't talk at all, and now we've got four words. You know, woohoo! That is huge, and so I just love that you're doing that and that you're sharing that. So first of all, big congratulations on all his his progress. Keep those gestures going. I would would just do just add gestures as you can with nearly every play routine that you're doing and daily Mm -hmm. routine that you're doing. I would probably ask him, you know, like, Kayden, we're going to brush your teeth and then have him really, you know, act like he's brushing his teeth. 
think about think about it in terms of pantomime with you know what what would he what little action can we do it doesn't even again have to be the real sign because those gestures okay. again are going to drive that motor planning i would do that for projections i would change those pictures on his aac device to be more specific and that so that will encourage him to initiate a little more with that and to get some um more things you know increase the number of things that he'll initiate with and request with that i would look for words that <clears throat> excuse me can be paired with sounds that he can already make so that you're going to make that super meaningful and then with play i would really talk to his ot about what motor movements can he do and then pair that with toys that you already have or that you can acquire so that would be your okay. new little treatment plan i think that sounds totally doable and very realistic and i i just know next time i talk to you he's going to have made some gains in all these areas i think so too we're very excited i don't know what we girl. i don't know what we would do if we had not came across your assistance and then having such good therapists here that are working with Caden and the school has just been so great it just everything has just fallen into place and we could not be more ecstatic with the progress he's making. So hang in there. Anybody Aww. who's struggling in any way, because I never would have thought that Caden would be, I didn't think Caden would ever say mama and he is. So. <laughs> Yay! And on that happy note, we are going to end this show. And Hannah, I do want to, I don't know if you're available right now, but can I call you and can we talk after the show? Cause sure. I want to talk about y'all to see me when my new place is open and I'm going to have more Absolutely. information about that for any parents. Uh, we'll talk about that on next show where you can look at teachmetotalk.com in the next couple of weeks and get some more information about that but I do want to be sure that we get to talk about that and so I'm going to call you right now that's it for the show thanks so much 